You missed football, didn't you, Bucko fans? I know you missed it. Well, the wait is almost over. Tampa Bay on the road this weekend against the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to get you set for that. This is A Few Extra Bucks, our podcast here on PeterPires.com. I'm Mike Neighbors. We'd like to thank our title sponsors, of course, House of Brews, Great Place in Lutz on the corner of Van Dyke and North Del Mabry, and Sea Dog Brewing Company. Tremendous locations in Clearwater and on the beach in Treasure Island. Great food, great brews, great service. I got to welcome in our esteemed producer, Justin Thomas. You know, usually I give him sound for these podcasts at a reasonable hour, and I killed you today. But as always, you deliver. Thank you, sir. No problem. And speaking of delivering, Roy Cummings. You know, I found that, you know, I knew Roy Cummings for several years before we did this podcast. And, you know, we always kind of agreed on things. But the more I get to know him, the more I'm finding we're two completely different people. <laughs> well, one thing we uh, we agree on is that it, it feels like not weeks, but months since the Bucks last played a football game, doesn't it? Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. And especially, you know, I, th- I see two schools of thought of coming off the bye after a game like that. I guess if you're the coach, you want to spin it in a way where we need to get away, we need to clear our head. But then you got to dwell on that game for a while. How do you feel about it? You know, look, my feeling has been that I would have tossed the tape on that one uh, the Saturday after or the the Tuesday after they lost the game. As soon before when it went back to work on Monday, look at the tape and 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 toss it away and and say, guys, forget it. And, And I think I mentioned this before. The reason I say that is everything we heard coming out of that locker room after that loss was, this is not who we are. This is not who we are. If they honestly believe that, then you go, then you know what you do? You say, you, you, you stick to your convictions. You say, you know what? That's not who we are. There's no sense in looking at it today because that's not who we are. Let's go be who we are starting next week in, in, uh, in Atlanta. Let's take a bye week off. Don't worry about it. That wasn't who we are anyway. Uh, yeah, you can sit there and brood over the loss and, and study the tape and what do we do it doesn't matter. You, you, you just start over fresh when you come back, focused on winning, playing, winning football. I think that would have been the best approach. I hope that's what they did. My guess is they didn't, but that's how I would have handled it. You know, when you log on to uh, PeterPirus.com and you listen to our podcast, you get that kind of analysis from Roy Cummings. But we also like to take inside the locker room, inside the press conferences. We're going to have a lot of dirt Cutter. We're going to have Vita Vea later on. And you got to stick around for our three and out segment at the end of the podcast. Uh, I don't care if you're a football fan or not. We have pop culture. We have hot topics around the league, so stay tuned for that. We're also going to talk to Jameis Winston, his first start. Of course, he uh, played in the second half against the Chicago Bears, and Jameis stayed at one buck during the bye week when obviously many of his teammates left. He felt the importance of staying, and this is what he got out of staying. I basically did similar things uh, that I did uh, the three weeks I was away, uh, got with guys, because it, it was kind of an odd place for me to be because I hadn't played three games and uh, I did have I did get that little experience against uh, Chicago so I just had to stay on it because I mean I ain't been getting hit by guys at all you know I was at the press conference today Roy and Jameis Winston you can say this about him usually kind of an energetic guy at the press conferences and he was fine today but I sensed some urgency from him like man I'm I'm glad to be back but boy I just can't wait to play and I'm sure you knowing him can understand why he feels that way. Well, yeah. I mean, think about it. You know, here's a guy who, uh, you know, he missed, uh, 
obviously three weeks, no football, comes back, gets to play a half, and then he's got to sit out for another week. So almost two weeks, really, to, you know, before he can play again. Um, one half of football in five weeks will make you uh, miss it a lot, and it's going to have you concerned that, you know, maybe you, you've lost your edge a little bit. Um, so he wants to, uh, you know, good for him. He's, he's working to make sure that he maintains his edge as best he can. And you're right. I, I think he's been humbled by this entire experience. Um, the fact that he missed three games, wasn't even with his teammates. Uh, the fact that now he's, uh, you know, the team's back on his shoulders and there's a little bit of pressure on him. He's got to, you know, in essence, sort of try to match what, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick did as a quarterback and get this team back on the winning track. That's a lot to ask of a, of a young player, and he still is a young player. I know a lot of people want to you know treat him like he's a 20-year veteran, but he's not. It's a lot to, to throw on the kid, and you know he's not going to turn his back on it in any way. He's going to accept that every time. So that's exactly where he's at. He says, okay, this is what I got to do. I'm going to do the best I can to make sure I'm ready for it. So that's where he is. I think he's humbled, but uh, you know what? I'm not surprised James Winston has been in the locker room uh, all last week. Well, Roy, you mentioned him missing, uh, the game. He's also missed the routine. He's missed the locker room and, uh, believe it or not, I think he's actually missed the press conferences, just, just everything about being a starting quarterback in the NFL. And he touched on that today. I was talking to Ali and Donovan on Tuesday and I just told them, you know, guys, thank you. Uh, I don't think y'all understand how much I miss you guys. Uh, and I think I, I told y'all, I think I shared with some of you guys about how much I miss y'all, just being able to be back in a routine of things. And how about this, Roy? I thought it was interesting that Jameis was left off all the promotional things with the Bucks in terms of the banners outside the stadium and, and all the, you know, commercials that they release, uh, you know, for season ticket holders and on their website. But now they released a, a Jameis Winston, uh, you know, commercial this week. Uh, you know, I... I <laughs> What do you make of all this? With uh, the, the, it seems like the team has been holding back, and maybe they didn't they didn't want to do anything at the time of his suspension, but they're not holding back anymore. No, not anymore. He's their guy, and uh, they're embracing him just uh, you know as they always have. And uh, you know what? That, that's probably good for him. Um, I think it's a it's a confidence builder. It's a boost for him. I think he could use one. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, anybody should feel sorry for James Winston because of what he's been through, but he's been through a lot here. Um, and he's a kid who cares, you know, I mean, he does, he cares about his team. He cares about his teammates. He cares about his franchise. Um, and so I think that, uh, you know, I'm not surprised that the team has done it really, because again, he is their guy. That's the reason he's going back into the lineup because he is the future of this franchise. And I think this is a, just a, a kind of a reminder, Hey, this guy's always been our guy since we drafted him, and, and that's not changing. We, we trust him. We believe in him. We believe he's going to you know, lead us to the Super Bowl one day, and uh, now he's got the opportunity to get him back on that track. So let's see how he does it. Speaking of being you know, their guy, usually you find out who the Bucks team captains are before the season. But we, we don't know who the team captains are going to be, and Dirk Cutter has delayed that vote. He didn't say it was because of Jameis Winston, but here was his explanation on why he has delayed the vote for team captain on this team today? I didn't want this to be a popularity contest. I wanted there to be some games played and some ups and downs in the season to let the players really decide who they think the real leaders are instead of just maybe guys that are perceived as leaders. And uh, it still might end up the same way, and I, I'm fine if it does. I mean, it's, it's their vote. I'm not going to sway that, but 
that's why I did it that way. Is that code for I want to see who my quarterback was before we took the vote? It could be, um, but I think there's some other things involved there. I, I think, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, he, he said he wanted to try out some other people as captains. I, I think that the biggest thing is you've got emerging leaders on this team on both sides of the ball. Um, I think there was a thought at one point that, you know, maybe Vernon Hargraves is going to be around on defense. You know, would he emerge as a leader? You've got leadership types or, or leaders, you know, already uh, from other teams like Jason Pierre-Paul and Vinnie Curry. Um, you know, would they emerge as leaders with a new group quickly? Um, you know, is Quan Alexander an emerging leader? I think that those questions wanted he wanted those answered. And on offense, I think it was very similar. You know, we mentioned Ali Marpet in this uh, podcast already. I think he's an emerging leader of the offense, uh, certainly of the offensive line. Um, you know, so I think there's a question as to who's going to step up and really be the leader here. Um, you know, Deshaun Jackson is a guy who probably should be a captain given his experience and all that he's done. Same for Mike Evans, perhaps. Um, you know, are, are they really leadership kind of guys? Uh, and I think as just as a whole, I think Dirk Cutter wanted to see how does the team respond to these guys? How do they respond to the opportunity to be uh, leaders? And, uh, you know, maybe he still doesn't have his answer yet. But, um, you know, I don't mind that he's kind of uh, toyed with the whole captaincy a little bit. Um, I, I think it's kind of a, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's an important role, but I don't think it's as important on a football team as it is with other teams. I mean, basically all you're doing is going out there for a coin toss and saying heads or tails. Um, <laughs> not like, it's not like hockey. No, it's not, it's not like hockey. Nothing is like hockey. And uh, so, um, but you know, it, but it is an important thing. I'm not diminishing it really, but uh, it's, it is important. So, and I, and I think, you know, the players take it seriously, but I think he wants leaders to emerge. See, a lot of times what happens, Mike, you, you name captains and those guys are, all, are now, okay, th- those are your designated leaders. And a lot of other guys will maybe suddenly step back and say, well, okay, well, it's not really my place to say anything because I'm not a captain. I'm not one of the, you know, so-called leaders here. I think he wants to see other people step up and have something to say uh, when things go wrong. Or I think he just, again, he wants to see, Who's going to emerge as a spokesman for this unit, for this side of the ball, uh, for the team in general? Um, and I think that's what the exercise was really all about. I don't want to get too stuck in this captain thing, but was it a case where I remember when he, when Dirk Cutter said he first found out about Jameis Winston's suspension, he immediately thought, well, okay, we got that short week after Monday night, so I'm definitely going to play Fitz the first four games. Did he also think when he, when you know, he, then thought about team captaincy. What if they elect Fitzpatrick the captain and then Jameis comes on late in the year? Did, did that play into it at all? I think it had to, yeah. Um, you don't want to name Jameis Winston a captain when he's on a suspension. That's not leading. Um, and you've got to be a little bit careful about naming the backup quarterback uh, a captain uh, yeah. full-time. And, and the other thing is you don't want to take the captaincy away from anybody. Exactly. So, yeah, I, that probably was – you know what? That was probably the tip of the iceberg, so to speak, on this issue in terms of how he handled it. Um, knowing that, look, Jameis Winston normally would be a captain here, but I can't give him a C now um, and then take it away. I, I can't have a, my captain missing three games to start the season because, you know, he did some knucklehead thing uh, two and a half years ago. So, yeah, I think that probably sparked the whole thing. And he realized that, hey, you know, at the end of the day, maybe I can turn this into a positive uh, in, in a couple of different ways. And, I, and again, I, I think it's a good idea. Well, with Fitzmagic doing his thing the first three games, obviously struggling in Chicago, 
Jameis deserved a chance to start. I think we all can agree on that. But Dirk Cutter was asked an interesting question today at the press conference. Because of what Ryan Fitzpatrick did, does that heighten the chance that you could maybe pull the trigger on Jameis moving forward now? Well, I think you have to. Uh, If Jameis goes out and for the first half just plays horrible football and the Bucs are close, you know, let's say it's 17 to 13 or something at the half, uh, and Jameis has thrown two picks and and 17 to 13 because, you know, there's a pick six and – another turnover and James is, you know, four of 18 or something like that or whatever it is. You know, I, I think you have to, I think at that point you have to say, look, I've got a backup quarterback who I know can, can rack up the points and the yards for us and get us into scoring position and put points on the board. I think you have to go to him. I don't think you can play the game of, well, James is our quarterback going forward here. He has to play all the downs. I, you still have a chance. You're one game behind in the division uh, with 12 games left to play, you have to think about this year and winning and getting to the playoffs. So whatever that takes, if that means sitting Jameis Winston after a bad game or a bad start uh, or a bad stretch of uh, downs, uh, do it. You know, you've got to win the football game. Uh, does that mean does that? And that doesn't mean that you can't go back to Jameis a week later, no matter how well Ryan Fitzpatrick plays. But it would make that you know decision a little bit more difficult. But at the end, if he plays well, Fitzpatrick. But at the end of the day, no, you've got to win football games. You can't play favorites here. Well, I agree with you. Here's what Dirk Cutter said on the possible flip-flopping of Jameis' struggles moving forward. I would say no. But I would say no because just the way I was raised, you, you stick with your guy. And uh, But but there's a lot there's a lot of things that can come up in a game too. So, and, uh, you, you know, it, there's all kinds of different trust level in your backup quarterbacks. So, uh, but, uh, and I don't, I mean, there's nothing I can say here that's, that's good or bad. I mean, I mean, I, I, I plan on sticking with our starter, but I planned on sticking with him in Chicago too. <laughs> A little flip-flop in there, but you know, I thought he, he tried to defend Jameis there, but he left the door wide open. Yeah. The last comment to me, uh, you, sure. The, the plan is to, uh, you stick with Jameis because, you know, and, and look, he's earned that opportunity too. I mean, Jameis has done as much to help this team win games uh, as anybody else over the last two, three years. So, uh, you know, I think he's earned the opportunity to, to you know, be allowed to have a mulligan. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, just like Ryan Fitzpatrick did too. But again, if, if he's, you know, maybe what happens is you start the second half with him and if it's and if it's just another you know if it's another quick three and out because he you know he's missing targets, and it's still a close game, uh, boy oh boy, I think you got to think about it. You got to win games here. Well, I think it all lays out in theory pretty good for Jameis Winston. When you look at the Atlanta Falcons, he has the only winning record against any NFC South team is against the Falcons, five hundred against the Saints, a losing record against the Carolina Panthers, and Jameis Winston even admitted today there's always a little extra for this. Birmingham native, Bessemer, Birmingham, right around right around the Atlanta area. There's always a little extra for him when he plays the Falcons. Every time I play Atlanta, I just imagine, you know, growing up in Bessemer, Alabama, being an hour away from Atlanta, you know, seeing Michael Vick run around and do his thing, you know. So it's always been a dream to compete against Atlanta and, uh, and win. Uh, against Atlanta and definitely going back to Atlanta is like a home game for me. That's how that's how I view it because all my family they come up, and they, they show up, and and uh, hopefully I show out for them. 
It's always dangerous, though, Roy, when you look at stats because every year is different. Every team is different. Uh, Atlanta's different. The Bucks are different. I think that's uh, that's a dangerous stat, but I thought it was interesting that uh, he admitted it feels like kind of a homecoming game for him. Yeah, I mean, that's look, that's uh, you know, it's where he grew up in that area. That is the team he really followed the most. Again, he said because of Michael Vick, and uh, uh, so yeah, I think he has a, there's a, just kind of a comfort level there for him. Um, maybe he's just got a little bit of extra juice because. Uh, it is closer to home. More, more, maybe more friends and family members show up for the games, and you know, maybe just kind of has a deep down look. This is a division game. This is the team I used to, you know, root for. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to kind of go out and play against them and and all that. So, um, you know, yeah, I, I can see why there'd be a little bit extra juice run in form for this one uh, because uh, it's a team that he's followed all his life. Jameis Winston admitted he worked on his footwork and his timing, and he stayed at one buck. We've already chronicled that during the bye week. Uh, but I had a question for him because it seems like, you know, we've asked Jameis a lot the areas he's improved off the field. I went between the lines. What's the biggest difference between you now compared to uh, the quarterback who started last year's last game against New Orleans? Uh, I just think my mentality is just to go out there and win for this team. Uh, if that's taking three-yard completions for the remainder of the game. If that's having to hit a deep shot uh, down the field, uh, my main focus is just is just winning, uh, not not really uh, stressing about anything. Uh, I just want to put my team in a good position to win. Is part of that not trying to do too much, maybe? Uh, I think I'm just trying to put, do my best to, to put my team in a position to win. That's, that's the main part. Well, he didn't want to commit to that, Roy, but I think a big priority for Jameis, one thing he has learned in this offseason and you know the training camp and being suspended the first three games, that he does have to change a little bit between the lines. I mean, I think he's a guy that, that got away with being that riverboat gambler at Florida State and at the beginning of his NFL career, but sitting back and really analyzing his game and knowing what it takes to get to the next level, he's got to refine things a little bit. Yeah, I think you're right. Um you know, I think just watching how successful Ryan Fitzpatrick was, because there's a guy who doesn't try to do too much. He takes what the defense gives him, uh, follows the game plan, um, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I think, you know, he doesn't – you don't – again, you don't have to be all wired up and everything. Uh, I think if, if Jameis Winston just looks back at those first couple of games in particular uh, and looks at how Ryan Fitzpatrick handled things and how he carried himself, um, I think there's a big lesson to be learned there. And, you know, some people may wonder, well, look, Ryan Fitzpatrick was here all last year. He didn't learn it then. Yeah, but it's different because now you've really seen him play, uh, you know, as a starter, knowing he's the starter. Um, there's no pressure to, you know, you go out there at the start of a game, start of a season. It's a completely different dynamic than being thrown into a game where you're losing and they're trying to, uh, you're trying to rescue a victory uh, away and that kind of thing. And, and you're stepping in for a quarterback who's hurt. You don't know if you're going to play next week or not. Um, completely different. And I think we saw, because of that, we saw a different um, Ryan Fitzpatrick this this year as well. And obviously a very effective one. So I think there's a lot to be learned from Ryan Fitzpatrick about how you can play in this scheme. Uh, you don't have to, you know, you can be a more calm player. A player who takes what the defense gives you, especially if they're giving you that deep ball. Um, take advantage of that stuff. Yeah, I think the intriguing part of Jameis Winston is he played good down the stretch last year. He played good in training camp. And obviously, I don't know if you want to judge him off the second half in Chicago, but let's see if he can keep playing well beginning Sunday in Atlanta. Well, 
Let's get back to Dirk Cutter again. I think some promising things on the injury front. O.J. Howard were practicing today, which <laughs> I think a lot of people were surprised by that. And, you know, we'll see his status. Dirk Cutter's not going to commit to that. Uh, Kendall Beckwith is another uh, guy to watch. You know, he could be coming off that uh, pup list, maybe or maybe not. Uh, Dirk Cutter addressed that today. He is fighting hard to make it back. So uh, I'm not sure if he'll be quite ready next week to practice there's a window in there. You know, we got a couple couple weeks for him to get back to practice before we we got to make a final decision. For Jason has to decide if we're going to permanently keep him down this year or bring him up. And it would be great if we can get him up, but it's just strictly based on on his health. So he's on the NFL reserve list right now. I think he's an intriguing guy in this defense because if the secondary can can settle down a little bit, this defensive line is going to get Bo Allen back. We'll get to Vita Vea in just a second. But Kendall Beck was kind of an intriguing guy. I think he could take some pressure off of Quan and Levante David. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I'd like it better if you were playing, you know, cornerback. Um, yeah. But you're right. He can he can certainly make a difference. Um, you know, maybe you, you change up the scheme a little bit, lean a little bit more on the linebackers. I don't know, maybe go to four linebackers in some situations um, just because you're, they're your better athletes and better players. Uh, I don't know if Mike Smith, you know, is one to do that. I don't know if he's got that in his scheme. Um, you know, we've seen it at times, uh, but so I think it's possible, but it would be nice to, yeah, you want to have your best players for sure. And in my opinion, as you proved last year, Kendall Beckwith is one of the Bucks' better defenders. So uh, any, if you can get him back, it's, it's going to be a boost for sure. And he was a quick study. To me, you'd like to see the uh, learning curve just accelerate with him. Once he gets back there, obviously had that car accident and uh, could have been a lot worse for Kendall Beckwith. So we'll see what happens in the coming weeks. On to Vita Vea. Didn't record a tackle against the Chicago Bears, but had some snaps. I had a chance to catch up with him in the locker room today just on how about the state of Vita Vea moving forward now. How frustrating has it been not to play and how good is it to finally get back in there? Shoot, it feels uh, it felt really great to be back in there. Um, you know, I feel like anybody would be frustrated. Uh, being out for so long, so you know, it feels good to be back and start getting the swing of things. To get your feet wet now, how do you see yourself moving forward now in terms of how much you'll contribute? Uh, just take it day by day, you know, try to get better. So Vita Vea back in the fold, and I know they miss Bo Allen too. If they can get both those guys back, uh, how would that change this defense? I think it would change it a lot. Um, look, again, the reason this guy was brought in was obviously to uh, – give the, the rush defense a boost, number one, and number two, to just give uh, the pass rushers another opportunity because Vita Vea, and we did see this a little bit in the limited snaps he had against Chicago, you know, he, he'll draw two, two guys a lot. And, um, you know, that's really all he has to do. Don't expect Vita Vea to, you know, generate eight sacks or anything like that necessarily. Uh, or, or get, you know, a dozen tackles every game, that, that may not be the case. What you want to watch when you watch him is it taking two guys to block him. Um, he'll get those numbers if, if people, you know, go one-on-one against him, or he should. Um, but if he's getting two, two, you know, blockers, he's doing his job because that frees up somebody else with either no blocker or one blocker. And those are the situations the Bucks are trying to create. So, um, you know, again, against both the run and the and the uh, pass, I, I thought Vita Vea, you know, pretty much a 
I'd give him a, about a grade of C for his first uh, game out. I thought it, there were a lot of – most of the downs, it was a push for me. Um, I don't think he won, his, won that many. I uh, didn't lose many. He was just kind of out there um, getting a feel for things. But I did see him draw a couple of double teams, and I thought that was important. So um, hopefully he gets uh, you know a little bit healthier, a little bit more fit. Um, and as time goes on, develops a little bit more comfort level with the league. And in time, I think he's going to be a dominant player. I really do. Yeah, let's see. Uh, the Bucks could definitely use a bounce-back game from Winston Vitavea, and we'll keep you posted on O.J. Howard, too. Well, uh, before we get to our uh, three-and-out segment, uh, you know, Dirk Cutter is very familiar with all the quarterbacks in this game. He knows Jameis Winston. He knows Ryan Fitzpatrick. And he helped groom Matt Ryan. Uh, he, he had this to say about his old quarterback in today's presser. I know Matt well. I, I, I have a lot of appreciation for his game, for his toughness, for what kind of a leader he is, uh, for, for his understanding of this game and understanding of defenses. But, uh, you know, when you're playing against him, all that stuff goes out the window. You're just trying to beat him. And uh, I'm, I'm sure he, he feels similar to both myself and, and to Smitty. You know, Matt Ryan's an interesting guy because to me, he was on the cusp of being really elite, lost that heartbreaking Super Bowl, you know, has had some problems kind of finishing some games in Atlanta, but boy, he's, he's still a real talented guy. Yeah, he's, he's, you're right. I mean, he's a guy who all regular season long is always one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And then you get to the playoffs and it's a little bit, it's been a little bit different story. Um, he just, I, I honestly think that the team around him hasn't been very good uh, for the most part. There's always been something missing with the Falcons. For a while, it was left tackle. They just didn't seem to have one. Then it was obviously problems on defense. I, I, I think he's done his part. You know, he's, he's kind of a Philip Rivers type to me right now. He's a guy who yeah. – or even a Drew Brees. You know, there, there's all there, – you know, there, the team is all – he's always done his part. It's the rest of the guys around him who have, you know, fallen a little, and not all of them, obviously, but a few guys here and there who've fallen short of doing their part. And if, if those guys did their part, or, you know, if the defense did its part, if the line did its part, um, you know, he would get the, the plaudits he should and obviously get the rings he should. So he's deserving um, uh, of, of a lot of credit. He's, 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 in my opinion, easily one of the top five, eight quarterbacks in the league without question. You know, you're, you're ruffling feathers with Justin comparing, comparing him to Drew Brees a little bit. Well, yeah, I know that. <laughs> and he, I think he has an MVP, doesn't he? That's something Drew Brees doesn't have. So he's got there that. you go. You know? There you go. All right, Justin, we've got to bring you back. What time is it? You know what time it is. Yes, I do. Let's do it. Three and out, baby. Three questions for Roy and Justin, and then we are out of here. We talk NFL, and then at the end, we always talk a little pop culture. Here's the first one. Uh, one of my big bugaboos with the NFL, these London games. Enough already. I already heard John Gruden says he's claustrophobic, that he's already nervous about the London game coming up, that he had vertigo when he went and saw his son Deuce at the weightlifting championship. It's, it's craziness, these London games. But how about this, Roy? This news from Jacksonville, the Jaguars already play, I believe, two games in London. Now Shad Khan, who has all these London ties, I think he owns Wembley Stadium. What do you think about the Jaguars possibly playing four games in Jacksonville and then four games in London? 
Can you imagine covering that team? Uh, yeah, well, hey, you know what? Uh, I'd love it, actually. Um, yeah, you, would, yeah. the, you know, hometown for a, for a while. I, I don't think it's good for the organization long term. Uh, they're trying. You've got to build a fan base here in the States. If the NFL wants to play in London, then, then keep asking every team at some point to go over there. But stop asking one team to keep playing. And now, if the owner wants to do it, that's on him. Um, you know, if they want to become kind of the London team, so to speak, that's on him. The good news on that is, you know, it's only about a five and a half hour flight. It's it's not that bad of a flight over. Um, and and if you're chartering, you can pro- you shoot for all I know, you might be able to do it in you know four and a half hours, five hours. So uh, it's not that bad of a flight. A lot of people complain about it, say it's it's really tough. But my concern would be you're taking four games away from the a fan base that you've been trying to build for yeah. a long time. You finally have a good team again. Um, give these people in Jacksonville a chance to prove that uh, they'll come out and watch your team on a regular basis. And, and if they don't, well, you know, the London will always be there. You can always do it. You can always bump it up a few more uh, uh, times, you know, throughout the year. But, boy, four and four, that's, that's tough. That's a lot. Two's pushing it. Four's too much. You make it, it's like make up your mind. Are you going to be in London or Jacksonville? Make a move yeah. to me. If it's four and four, that's ridiculous to me. All right, our second question, our three and out, and I'm going to bring Justin in for the last two here. Um, my mom never liked this word, but I'm going to bring it up in the podcast. Of, of these three, I'm really tired of these three. Who do you want to shut up the most, okay, of these three, <laughs> okay? I, I'm tired of them. You got Le'Veon Bell. You got Odell Beckham. And I'm going to bring in this guy, I, you know, I think he's a serviceable NBA player. He's definitely above average. But this Jimmy Butler guy, my goodness, every time I turn on ESPN, this guy's on there. He's complaining about making millions of dollars in the NBA. You got Odell Beckham Jr., who's just never happy. And Le'Veon Bell, you know, are you going to play football or not? So who do you want to shut up and just go away and, and then move on to actually real stories of those three? I guess I'll go first. Um, yeah, Butler, shut up. Yeah, so just man, I don't want to hear it. I heard the I heard him today. Is all this garbage about? I mean, he's screaming. He goes finally shows up at practice, okay? And and you know he he's screaming at people. He's screaming at the media. He's screaming at at, at his teammates. Everything else, and then he says, "That's just my my love of basketball, my passion for." Oh, really? I guess you love basketball so much that you decide to skip training camp. So right. you know, I, I don't know how much you you know how competitive he. That's the raw me, as he said it. Well. You need to check the raw you at the at the entrance to the court, my friend. Um, yeah, I'll tell you what. That's a guy I don't want on my team. I don't care how good a player he is. I don't want him on my team because he's going to be a divisive uh, presence in the locker room, in my opinion. Um, I don't want him. I, I think Le'Veon Bell's got a legitimate argument. Not the first player to, to sit out because he's been franchised. Uh, Odell Beckham, what he's saying right now, there may be some truth to it. Uh, so... I wouldn't necessarily ask him to shut up. Uh, it's good copy. Um, Le'Veon Bell, I'd probably say pipe down until you show up. But um, Jimmy Butler, <laughs> man, man, shut up. Just pipe. Just put put a cork in it, my friend. Justin, what you got? Well, I, I thought your third uh, person was going to be Josh Norman with all he's been doing. Oh, I'm this last I've been tired of that guy for years. Oh, that guy. <laughs> but uh, I, I agree with Roy. You know, Le'Veon, I – he really, up until this whole contract dispute, really hasn't said much. So it's not like he's always, you know, running his mouth or whatever. And 
Uh, Odell, I don't know. I don't know if he kind of gets, oh, what's the term? Falls prey to the New York media, so to speak. He doesn't bother me that much. So I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to go with Jimmy Butler. I think he's kind of, what he's been doing you know, been a little crazy. And you know what, you know what the Jimmy Butler thing is, by the way? I, you know what? He, look, ESPN. I love when Roy gets fired up. Come on, Roy! <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the NBA loves it. ESPN creates drama. And then they make it a mushroom cloud when it's really just a little molehill. Yeah, Jimmy Butler. Who cares? I mean, who's okay? There's there's two dozen players or more in the league better than him. I don't think he's the most important player on his team. Uh, At the end of the day, this has created drama, and it's created as much. Granted, the player has done all this, but ESPN feeds the feeds the flames on that thing because that's all they want to do. The NBA is much like the NHL. There's just not, you know, you have to create drama in order for people to pay attention in a lot of cases because the NFL is going to be where everybody's looking. The ESPN will create the drama for the NBA because they want, they're all about the NBA and this is created drama by them and it's the, the flames are, are fueled by them. They want to get those clicks. Yeah, yeah. It's whoever they have the contract for when they had NASCAR. You saw Dale Earnhardt Jr. leading every show, and then they get the NBA. And you know what? To their credit, it's just everybody else falls for it. That's the problem. I've, I've always been kind of a fan of LeBron James. I mean, the guy gives a lot to the community. He's never been in trouble. Yeah, he's got a huge ego. But you know what? In this social media age, if Michael Jordan would have been prey to that, I don't know if he'd be glorified as he is now. I mean, I think LeBron James as a whole – I don't really have a problem with it, but Jimmy Butler, shut up. I agree with both of you guys. <laughs> well said. Okay. Our uh, last one, guys, pop culture. I didn't know if you guys would bite on the NBA thing, but that worked out well. Um, the last thing, okay, we're all movie guys. I know that. We all can agree on that. Which one of these movies really needs a sequel the most, okay? You know, not all, not all sequels are good. In fact, most of them are kind of bad, but out of these three movies – which one deserves a sequel, and which one would be the best sequel? Goodwill Hunting, Ferris Bueller, or Animal House? <laughs> How about that? Wow, that's a tough I call. I, I, I think don't... I know Roy's answer. I, I, I honestly don't think any of them would be would be a, a good uh, sequel. Um, probably Goodwill Hunting. Because the others yeah. are comedies, and they really don't lend themselves to, I mean, you could do animal house, you know, a year later or, or, you know, here are the guys 20 years later or something like that. You know, what happened to them all that, that, that might be kind of funny, but, um, but I think goodwill hunting would probably be the better choice out of those three. What you got, Justin? Well, I, I know which one Holly, which one is set up for a Hollywood sequel. If Hollywood had their say, I think that would be Animal House. That, that whole movie and environment lends itself to multiple sequels. But I think the movie of those three that I would most want to see a sequel to, and like Roy said, it probably wouldn't be good, but I would go with Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I, I really love those characters, so I'd like to see a little more. Uh, that was the obvious one to me, because Ferris Bueller, to me, 
you know, Goodwill Hunting, you know, you figure, I don't want to find out that, you know, the guy that Matt Damon met, the guy divorced or it's unhappy or, you know, I don't, that movie to me was kind of settled in a lot of ways. I'm good. We don't need any more. Animal House. Yeah, I agree. That would maybe gotten a little cheesy, but Ferris Bueller to me, it would be great to see Cameron maybe more successful than Ferris. They're both in their mid forties. I think there's a lot to play with. And the funny thing about Ferris Bueller is Cameron I kind of want to find out, you know, what his dad did about him wrecking that car because that was very unsolved. You know, taking the nosedive. So, you know, I don't know if uh, if he lived past that or what happened. But to me, Ferris Bueller would be a natural tie-in because also both of those actors, Matthew Broderick and I forget who plays Cameron, but that. Alan Ruck. Oh, really? Look at that. See, what's his name? Is it Alan Ruck or no? Yeah. Uh, what's his name? I think you're right. Is that it? Okay. He was on. Um... He was on some show many years later. I, I forget the name of it. <clears throat> but so you know, but you know the reason none of those had, especially the you know, in my opinion, especially Animal House and and uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. The reason they don't have they didn't have sequels is because they were so perfect just within themselves. Yeah, you'd like yeah. to see what happens to some of these characters down the road, but you know they were just so good within you know as the the single movie that they were there was no reason to try to you know you don't want to mess it up you know i mean they didn't they try that with caddyshack and it really kind of screwed it up oh, terrible Cat, terrible yeah. I mean, that's what happened you know i mean you know yeah. i mean i could just see it flounder would end up being the dean and you know somebody else would be one of the uh, professors <laughs> there and you know here comes blutarski's you know illegitimate son or something and 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 they're gonna start you know they're gonna open up the, the, the frat house again for the first time in 23 years or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, it'd be crazy and all that stuff. I can see that happening. And like you said, I mean, here's, well, you know, here's um, Ferris and, and his buddies and friends. Ferris is now the father of two kids and, you know, yeah. little Ferris. It, it probably just wouldn't work. Goodwill Hunting, though, to me is the, is the best of the three, I think. I mean, Animal House was great, but like a lot of those movies, Caddyshack, Animal House, even Stripes, those were great movies and they had memorable lines, but to me, they always kind of tanked at the end. You're like, okay, this is terrible. You know, I remember the lines better and like, I don't know, maybe that's just me. You know, like Stripes at the end, it's just like, where are you going with this? <laughs> I think it is just you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I thought I, I thought all of them hit the mark. Uh, they, they were all they all hit bullseyes, man. For me, uh, I'm not sure there was a, a bad line in any of them. Hello. Hello. Okay, I, I couldn't hear you at the end. Okay. Um, Justin may be gone. Okay. Well, guys, <laughs> uh, great stuff. Um, I think I disappointed you with the sequels. I was a little more fired up about that. Maybe you know. We disagree again. That's a good thing, though. I like to, but we all agree that Jimmy Butler needs to shut up. That's always a good thing. <laughs> well, listen, uh, before we go, uh, it's prediction time. What do you think? Uh, Falcons, Bucks, Bucks, Falcons, who you got? Roy? You know what? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go against my gut on this one. Got to go with the gut. Come on. All right. If I got to go with the gut, then it's, then it's Falcons 47, Buccaneers 43. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. All right, no Justin, we got? I have absolutely no faith whatsoever in either defense right now. It's hard to, hard to argue there. Justin, what do you got? 
Well, I agree with that last sentiment about defense. I actually think the Bucks are going to get back on track. I think they're going to beat Atlanta. It's going to be a high-scoring game. But uh, I think the Bucks come out victorious. Yeah, score? Um, I don't know if he'll be as high as the 40s. Maybe up in the 30s. Uh, I'd have to come up, come back to me with the score. All right, I'm going to say this is the kiss of death, Bucks. You're, you're, you're screwed now because Justin and I are picking. And last time this happened was the Monday night game. When I said oh, right. we destroy the Steelers, and Roy was the only contrarian that said the Steelers would win, and we saw how that worked out. I say 38-31 Bucks. I think Jameis Winston is chomping at the bit. I think this, you know, the Bucks defense is bad, but the Falcons defense is too. They're banged up. I think this is the perfect return for Jameis Winston. Not not at home. He needs to get away, have a great game, then maybe return home and see how that works out. But we'll see. You know, don't don't challenge Roy Cummings in his gut because it usually wins out. So, <laughs> all right, guys. Well, listen, great job. I appreciate it. Uh, we'd like to thank our title sponsors, House of Brews and Sea Dog Brewing Company. Great brews. Great food and great service. Great, great service. Uh, this has been a few extra bucks. Please, please subscribe to PeterPyrus.com. It's absolutely free. Uh, but we appreciate you logging on. This podcast is really gaining steam uh, month after month. So we, we appreciate it. Until next time, uh, we'll see you down the road.